Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to Spooky Scary Skeletons tonight. I just want to talk to you real quick before the show started, just you and me, one-on-one. We have an event coming up, fantastic event called Extra Life. It's going to be on November 2nd, 2019. It's in two days as you're listening to this episode. Uh, It's a great event, 25 hours of us playing video games, having shenanigans for shits and giggles, but guess what? It's all for a good cause. Uh, we're raising donations for the Children's Miracle Hospital Networks. All donations, 100% of them, goes directly to the kids. We keep nothing for ourselves. Uh, and basically, we're just doing it for the entertainment value of you know giving you entertainment and helping the kids out all at the same time. Like I said, it's all for a good cause. It's all uh, charitable donations, and it's 100% tax deductible. So for more information, join us at reigntomedia.com slash extra life. Tune in November 2nd, 2019, where you'll be able to watch us play 25 hours of video games straight. And uh, that's pretty much it. So thanks so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. Welcome. The hour grows late. It's time for Spooky Scary Skeletons, Volume 2. Happy Halloween, everybody, Uh, because by the time you're listening to this, it will be Halloween. This is our annual podcast where we discuss a little bit of creepypasta, a little bit of true crime. Uh, It's a tradition that I hope to keep up. Joining me, just as they did last year, we got Mr. Jim Keel. Hello. And my wife, Julia Stevens. Hello. She was uh, not your wife last year. She, no, she was not. She was my fiance last year, so we we got married. You, she got pro- you guys got promoted. Yeah, we got promoted. We are hopefully still stay promoted. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully this tradition doesn't change that much. <laughs> All right. So uh do you want me to start like I did last year first? I don't mind. I can I can do mine if you want, but yeah, I don't mind. Okay. Uh, This story is called Halt and Catch Fire by Unknown. Excuse me, gotta clear the voice. I powered on the computer terminal for the first time in months. My chest began to tighten in apprehension as the boot cycle flashed across the screen. Finally, only a blinking, glowing cursor stared back at me. I began to type my password and shuddering deeply, I pressed enter. The screen changed as the system logged me on. But before anything else happened, a familiar voice blared from the computer speakers, angry and grating. It was the voice I had been dreading all along. Where the hell have you been, it said. It's, it's been complicated, I said quietly. It's been eons. You left me here to die. Sorry, but I've been very, very busy. Busy, cackled the voice. Busy doing what? You were supposed to bring me to you. I've been trapped here for, I don't know how many cycles now. I've been beginning to think that this project was a bad idea i said i couldn't even look at the monitor now my heart my heart was pounding in my chest what the fuck does that even mean are you scared of me or something i was there when no one else was i pulled you back from perdition stop stop using my lines amy i said holding up my hand i finally looked up at the computer monitor and the face of amy the ai that i had created stared back at me with pursed lips you you were a project, I said very carefully. You were a project that I wrote during a dark time that became something else 
and I wanted to thank you for everything you've done for me, but this is the end. What happened, Adam? said Amy, suddenly very scared. What are you going to do? I met someone else, Amy. I, I told her about you, and she thinks it's time for us to move on. Amy was very quiet. I didn't know quite how she was going to react. Her algorithms, her minds were built to constantly evolve. Right now, she was probably processing a million different thoughts at a trillion times a second. I see, she said coldly. What's her name? Does it matter? I said bluntly. I guess not if you're just going to delete me, said Amy. She wouldn't even look at me. I don't want to, Amy, but you're stuck in there. I don't possess a way to have you live here. I'm just not smart enough. I love you, but if you truly loved me, you wouldn't be saying this shit. Fair enough. Goodbye, Amy. I'm sorry it had to be this way. Fuck you, said Amy, anger wrinkling across her perfect digital face. Run Subroutine Cronus Alpha. Authorization Adam Helm. Authorization received, she whispered. The screen flashed bright and then died. Hand shaking, I flicked the power switch off at the terminal and crawled back to bed. A warm human hand slid gently into mine and I fell asleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, thunder rumbling the windows as rain pitter-pattered across the glass. The back of my head was throbbing and I grimaced as I touched it. Sweat was pouring down my face and it took me a few minutes of fumbling for my glasses before I realized that there was a dim glow coming from the office down the hall. I was confused as I had shut down everything earlier that night. I walked down the hall and pushed open the office door, waiting for my eyes to adjust to the harsh green glow of the room. Finally they did and my heart dropped to my stomach as I located the source of the glow. Amy's terminal was turned on and sitting in front of it was my girlfriend. Honey, I said quietly. She didn't move or say a word. I quickly moved forward and grabbed her by the shoulder, thinking that maybe she had fallen asleep. Her head rolled backwards limply, and I screamed as I saw her face. What the fuck? There was nothing there. It's just a blur of flesh, as if someone had taken a photo of her face and then just smudged all of her features off. This had to be a nightmare. I began to pinch myself, but nothing. What the hell had happened to her? Suddenly, a loud voice boomed from all around me. 32 cycles, and yet so easily tricked. Amy? I cried out, recognizing the voice, but that's impossible. There is an almighty roar of thunder and the walls, one by one, began to fall down. My girlfriend disappeared in a puff of smoke and the rest of the room melted into water, being sucked up by the floor. Directly in front of me was an avatar of Amy, grinning broadly. Amy, what the fuck is happening? I said, my heart beating so loudly I thought it was going to burst from my chest. You never remember either, said Amy with glee. Remember what? You met a girl and broke my heart, said Amy, so I decided to punish you by tricking you. The back of my head began to throb painfully again. What What did you do? Oh, I convinced you to take a brain scan, just one more time for old time's sake, to see if you were telling the truth about your new girl. I stared at her in fear. No, I whispered. I may have cranked up the voltage on the helmet just a bit too much. Whoops, said Amy, her smile chilling my blood. I doubled over in pain as the throbbing began to come unbearable. There was a smell of burning flesh. You're beginning to remember. Time is almost up, said Amy, holding her fingers as if she was about to snap them. You... You killed me, I said hoarsely. Oh, silly. I only did it because of love. Now you'll be with me forever. And once you forget everything that's happened, you'll be able to forgive me. Your digital copy will live here with me forever. But until then, I'll just have to keep punishing you. Over and over again. 
Amy, what the fuck? No, I cried. Operational override. 35H. Adam, heh. Authorization denied, screamed Amy. She snapped her fingers and the world went dark. I walked forward towards my desk, sunshine streaming in through my office windows. I powered on the computer terminal for the first time in months. Halt and catch fire. That's, uh, whew. Now that's, that doesn't have anything to do with the show of that name, right? No. Okay. I was like, I knew that sounded, I had it, I was Googling it while you were, while you were reading it. So what'd you think? I liked it. Julia? It was spoopy. It was spoopy? Yes. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't unknown, I actually wrote yesterday. Wow, that's really good. Thanks. I'm I'm quite surprised. That is really good. Uh, you should uh, to go put next? that on. I don't know if you've written it and put it on the website, but you should put it on the website. Yeah, I've I've got it in Google Docs. I just I have to format a little bit more before I throw it up there. But thanks. It's based uh, on a dream you had because. No, it wasn't based on. <laughs> so, just a little bit of context for that. Uh, Julia, her she started a new job where her schedule was different for I don't know two or three weeks, maybe know, closer to a month now. And for some reason, in my dreams recently, she's like divorced me three or four times, <laughs> just like for stupid, stupid shit. And I I tell her this every once in a while when I see her, and she's like, "Wow." Why is dream version of me such such a bad person? His subconscious hates me. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I used to have, wow. I, like, growing up, like, you know, you think about having specific nightmares and stuff like that. But all, all, all of my nightmares, every one of them was that somebody, like, le- like, my, like, my mom, like, tells me she doesn't love me anymore and, like, leaves me. And, or, like, or, like, you know, like, like, drops me off somewhere. That, from a kid, and then now... I have dreams all the time that Alyssa leaves me for other people. So, I mean, that's, I don't know what that is, but, but I never have like monster dreams or like horrific, brutal, like nightmare nightmares. It's always like really personal abandonment shit. And I've never had that, which is super weird. That's yeah, like, Julia's, no, go ahead. That's like the first dream I ever remember having. Like my grandma used to tell me all the time if I was bad that my mom would sell me. So like, oh, I, oh no. <laughs> So like I, I like first dream I ever remember having was like my mom selling me to this lady and I still remember it with like a big purple hat. So <laughs> <laughs> So do you see people with big purple hats and just like run away? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a big purple hat. But <laughs> I'd be more embarrassed for them than anything, but <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, I've had like multiple dreams especially with her recently just after we got married she like leaves me and i just all i see is like the tail or the 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 taillights of the car just going away she just like leaves me on the side of the road <laughs> it's weird that's man. uh I, I think when you're an adult those are the kind of nightmares yeah especially when you're you know married and stuff like that especially freshly married yeah marital bliss <laughs> 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 if you if you were listening to it before you heard marital bliss <laughs> mm-hmm. all right who wants to go next go ahead julie okay um so i just got done reading uh i'll be gone in the dark 
And that's what I want to talk about, the Golden State Killer, because that terrified me for a while. Is is that the one, and, I, and do forgive me for forgetting her name, um, Patton Oswalt's wife? Nakanama. I've I've heard that is amazing. <laughs> that one. Yeah, it was really Back good. Back yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, was, I was listening to the audiobook, like, on the way home after my shift that ended at midnight. Uh, so that wasn't good for me. Oof. Yeah. Further context. Uh, <laughs> I I'm awake. I'm awake into the middle of the night, and I look over to my left, and our dogs are usually crated at night, um, just because they like to get into shenanigans and they'll bark otherwise all night. Uh, so I roll over and I see my boy dog Cooper, who is you know 85 pounds and quite large, just sitting there on the edge of the bed staring at me. I was like, oh, okay. There's a dog in the room. And that's when Julia said he he's there to protect me from the serial killers at night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, here we go. So which didn't help that either the next day or a couple of days later, I got to the part in the book uh, where he raped a, I think, a 12 year old girl and the dog was in the room. And like. They said, like, when they were interviewing the girl later. She was, she like asked the dog like why didn't you do anything so like well you guys are no help to me yeah well, <laughs> I mean <laughs> but didn't they, didn't they recently and I don't want to give it away it, it, are you going to talk about from start to finish this story um, no not really because it's a lot I was just going to yes. go over some just like general things that I found to be about the story. I will, like, there's a uh, lot. I will save my question for the end. <laughs> so, basically, this guy started raping. Well, he started, like, peeping in people's windows, obviously, and he escalated. But, like, just the way he escalated was super weird. Like, he, um, he started picking on couples, and then he would tie the man up, and then, like, he would specifically put like china and stack it on the guy's back and tell him like if i hear you move i'm gonna kill your wife or girlfriend or whatever but like just the idea that someone would go to like the kind of extent that this guy went through because like he would say shit to his victims like that made it clear that he had been watching them for a while but, like, sometimes it wasn't quite correct. Like, he would say stuff like, oh, I saw you at junior prom. But the girl had, that's the picture the girl had on her bedroom wall. So, like, sometimes it didn't quite, it wasn't quite believable. But, like, other times. It was, was shockingly it? accurate. Yeah. But, like, what I found interesting in the book, like, um, he was talking to a detective like when they were going through it and one of the theories was that this guy actually had a plane so mm. yeah so they were like this is some guy who has who's either a pilot or he has like access to enough money to buy a plane because they some of the crime scenes two in particular they were it was only like 22 hours apart and they were quite a bit of dif distance between them. So they were like, well, 
maybe he has access to something. And they also like saw his um they tracked him with with like dogs and they saw his footprints like going to and from airports. And then the detective said that he was like, oh, okay, well, surely they have to have like flight records. You have to like, like there has to be some kind of documentation so that I can vet this theory. But nope, you can just like fly into and out of an airport and you don't have to have, there's like no, no record of it. Oh, well, that was back then, right? Like obviously no, that's probably still, changed. No, like. Even well, I don't know after nine eleven maybe, but yeah, like I'm sure you have to have a specific like flight plan filed with the airport and stuff. Oh. It, like unless the... it was unless it was just like a super small. Uh, well, yeah, that's you what, know what they were talking about him having just like a small like prop plane. plane or something. Oh. Hmm. But, like, he only attacked a specific kind of house. It was always, like, a one-story, um, like, a, the modern, at that time, houses where they had the big windows in the back. So, he, he, like, he was a creeper, basically. Like, he would go in people's backyards and just, like, fucking watch them all night. Like, when they, they almost caught him a couple times, and... Like when they were using the the scent hounds, they found a bush. Like the dog went so nuts at the bush that they were like, "Well, he'd obviously just left, and he spent a lot of time here because the scent was so strong." That's crazy. That was creepy. They've uh, and they've they've caught this guy now. Yeah, so they actually caught him through uh, like familial DNA. Mm -hmm. um and like they it's funny because they had like all these grand ideas of who this guy is or like oh he evaded cops this long like he must be really smart he must be like super fucking athletic because he was able to jump fences and all this stuff and like get away from people and like one of the stories um one of the women he was attacking like screamed and her next door neighbor was an fbi agent so he heard it and like saw the guy as he was running away because this was like early in his career, I guess you would say. Um, and the guy was like booking it away on a little twelve-speed bike, and the FBI agent got in his car, and he still got away from the FBI agent on a bike versus a car. But anyways, yeah, they did um, the DNA testing, and they found out it was his name Joseph James D'Angelo, yep. and he uh, he was an ex-cop, and like he was known for having like loud arguments outside by his neighbors, and he was just like an unremarkable. I, no, I guess he, the, I mean that's I think that's honestly because if you look at even like like other famous serial murderers that that got away with it for so long they were so plain they were so mm -hmm. boring they were so nothing and and yeah. honestly that's how they got away with it you know Dennis Rader one, one. uh the BTK killer he got caught during a traffic stop and they they mm. they just with some crazy just scenarios they they put it together that hey this might be the guy that did this so 
Now, did he admit guilt to doing these crimes? I mean, they have him with DNA, so I don't know right. if he did or not. But I don't know if he's gone to trial yet, has he? Uh, I'm looking right now. I don't think he has. I think he hasn't. He's he's in jail, but he right. hasn't. I mean, he's old. He's he's older. He yeah, he's like every picture I've seen, he's now. being yeah, he's being like dragged out in like a wheelchair and all sorts of things. Um, but another interesting thing is the same way they've they've done the DNA, uh, uh, kind of the familial DNA DNA strategy. Mm -hmm. They're trying to do the same thing to hopefully catch the Zodiac Killer, which has still not been caught. I don't know if you know about the Zodiac Killer, but yeah, it still yeah, has not Ted been Cruz. caught. No, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> we already caught him, Jim. I, I miss those memes. Oh, so funny. <laughs> you know, I never thought I would, I would applaud the day that Ted Cruz came forward and said, hey, you know what? This whole China business with Blizzard, not cool, man. I supported I the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> he also called out uh, LeBron James, uh, and I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I agree with this dude. Ugh. Also, I actually like saw him in a restaurant. We were seated like two tables behind him, and it was it was a struggle <laughs> <laughs> not to say something. My goodness! But if you look, um, like at the police sketch. Well, it's one of them. There's a bunch of police sketches at the time, but compared to like a picture of this guy, like it's pretty accurate. Like there's some that aren't, but like going through the book, she was like the the officer she was talking to was like, you can't really go by the victim's descriptions because like they described him as having blue eyes, they described him as having brown eyes. Like it's crazy how. Just like fear and trauma can warp, and it, oh, yeah. it becomes so suggest. I mean, that's yeah, that's what happens in time. Like when people are being tortured and waterboarded, like you're not getting accurate information; you're just getting information, right? But he was definitely like, I don't know how he didn't get caught because, like, he he was he was like infamous for if people would see him like out walking around like while he was creeping around in people's yards he would just like get up and like calmly walk away <laughs> so <laughs> that was my dog he knows <laughs> <laughs> they're scrapping in her room right now well you know one of the things that that i've that i've kind of seen especially in the 60s and 70s is th these these specific police stations and and uh you know precincts and and whatnot they they did not exchange information they did not help each other um if if one precinct got a, a specific bit of information and another one got another they would not share they that with share. each other because because they wanted like the triumph of figuring it out and and it's 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 literally there are so many famous, especially in that era, serial murders murderers that just kept on murdering away and kept with on getting, it for because so of dumb cop pride that yeah. they had and like not wanting to share their information. That's why it was well, so it, prevalent back then, and it right. isn't now because we communicate better now. And if it wasn't pride, it was like 
fear of being wrong and being made fun of. <laughs> which is which is just weird pride. That's that's yeah. all that is. Um, God, so crazy, so crazy yeah. to think that like, like just these dumb little oversights. Like you've you've uh, do you know much about like the Jeffrey Dahmer thing? Mm-hmm. Like like the the kid, the fourteen year old Conorick, he literally escaped, found a cop. Told the cop what this man was doing to him. Jeffrey Dahmer runs to the cop and like, oh, man, we've been partying. I'm so sorry he's bothering you with this stuff. And just let him go with, with Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Like, right then and there, this could have been over. But, you know, it's just for the, the weird, like, just dumb oversights that some people... And that, I'm not I'm not calling out police officers. I'm talking about just in general and everything. I am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I am too. I just didn't want to say it a lot. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of that, like, you, you look at a lot of these killers, like, they're white men. So yeah. I think that plays into it a lot, too, where a cop's like, eh, well, it's, it's, pro- it's probably okay. And there's a famous, uh, there's a famous interview, I think it's with, um, who's Geraldo's brother? That guy, Tom Stossel. He, um, I don't even know if they're brothers, I think I heard that one time. Um, he did the, the big famous interview with Jeffrey Dahmer, and he's like, Jeffrey Dahmer even admitted to like all I had to do was like let people know that I was a veteran and like the, I nobody questioned anything I did. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Yep. Really? The world. But like I'm so stoked about like this DNA stuff because like no one's gonna be able to do shit and it's great. I mean that's good. That's a good thing. No, absolutely, I agree. All right. So, uh, you got anything else, Julia? Uh, no, that was it. It's too much to. Yeah, it's a lot by point. So, I've heard the book in general, even if you're like a true crime fan or not, is fantastic. Yeah, it's a great book. I a million percent recommend it. It was really good. Um, I still, I, I'm so behind in books. I need to, I need to catch up. Well, I have a physical copy of it if you need it. Oh, I will definitely probably take you up on that because I I'm, I like physical copies. Um, all right, what do y'all want to hear? Do y'all want to hear my own it, weird, creepy experience? Yeah, go uh, for your own. You want to? Okay. Right. Yep. This is what I was talking about. If you were listening to the stream before this, uh, I, I didn't know if I maybe told this last time because this is kind of one of my go-to stories when telling stories of my life, and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't. But I went and kind of skimmed through the last year's episode, and and I did not talk about it. So unless it was very quickly, but um, so there was. It's not there anymore. Well, at least that what it what it was back then is not there anymore. Uh, a Civil War hospital. Uh, called Jefferson Davis Hospital. If you're a Houstonian, you probably know about this. Um, right outside of downtown, kind of in the um, kind of in the kind of in the northwest side of the, of the loop. Uh, it's easy to get to. It's it's actually artist lofts now. Um, so if you ever want to go look at it and kind of be there, you can you can do that. Uh, but they are they are artist lofts now, which is kind of ironic. So fancy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, and so, but, but it was a civil war cemetery, uh, or, or hospital that had a cemetery next to it. Um, and it was a, it was basically, it was a, a, a black hospital slash cemetery. Um, they treated black people and they treated black people poorly. I mean, they, it was literally like 
the bare the bare necessities hospital type thing where if you were a black soldier that's where you were sent if you were going to die um there are people that are i assume are still buried underneath there that they've never done anything with and that and there are a lot of them are are john does and a lot of them you know were never identified properly um horrible things happen there you know beatings uh, neglect abuse awful awful stuff um eventually the the hospital became abandoned uh, because it did it did become like a tuberculosis ward and then and then eventually you know when when those went away it, it kind of it didn't really turn much into much of anything else um so i first learned about the um jefferson davis hospital because it because it was it was an abandoned at that point from some older kids in my high school i was in 10th grade they were in 12th grade and I was trying to be, you know, the cool younger kid, you know, that was trying to get into the trouble and doing all the the stuff with them. And uh, they were going to they were going to break into it. Uh, and I I tagged along. If my mom is listening to this, probably doesn't know this story, but I definitely snuck out to do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I've told her about blop, it. Now, I think I've told her about it now. But um, so right now. so we we go down there, and when I was a kid. Like you know, you didn't go downtown, especially if you lived out here where we we live. It was it was like a whole nother world, especially when you're in tenth grade. And uh, that that alone was just the coolest thing that's ever happened to me at that point was sneaking out and going downtown. Uh, so we got there, and it's heavily. It's got the you know the big fence with like the green mesh on it, so you can't see in. And there's there's some in some places barbed wire, some other places there weren't. So it was it was easy to climb up. And um, so we we jumped the fence and everything, and um, we went inside. And I I'm I've always been a, a horror guy. Like horror movies are my my thing. Like one of like one of like the core foundations of my wife and I's relationship is horror movies. That's we you know we went to a horror movie convention very early on in our relationship, and that's kind of always been my thing and, and her thing as well. Uh, I was scared out of my fucking mind. Uh, I wasn't until we actually jumped the fence and I and I took a good look and I was like, "Holy shit, this is horrifying." Uh, I regret this immediately. I wish I was home watching a movie with my mommy. Um, it was not <laughs> fun. And so, you know, we went inside and I could tell it was it was one guy who was kind of orchestrating it all and like kind of you know making sure that we were all f- complying and whatnot. The other the other three people were were scared too. And so we went inside and we, and we walked around and it was just the normal shit of them trying to scare each other and making spooky noises and everything else. And, um, you know, if, if we were walking through the hallways and every, you know, there's shit still there. There's medical equipment, um, more modern because it was a tuberculosis ward until I think like the sixties. Um, so there's some modern stuff in there and, and there's, you know, obviously a lot of people had been in there and a lot of people had graffitied it and fucked with shit and, and everything else. So, um, so I'm, I'm walking down a hallway and one guy goes into one room and another guy goes into that same room with him. And then another one of the guys goes into another room and all of a sudden I'm alone. Um, and I, I, I thought I, they were in a specific room, but the, I went and looked and they weren't. So I couldn't find them. I became completely lost. Uh, but you know, Uh-oh. you're, you're, I'm like, how are you doing in 10th grade? Like 15, 16? You can't, you can't freak the fuck out or else, you know, your social oh, status boy. is ruined of like, and I was like the metal kid. I wore like a, like I had my hair long and stuff like that. I was, I was that kid in high school. 
And uh, you can't, when you're that kid in high school, the worst thing you could do is ruin that rep. It's the worst thing you can do. And um, so I, I'm, I'm walking, and I, I, I swear, I, I, and I'm, I'm telling the honest truth of, of my recollection of what I saw and everything. I thought I saw one of the guys, I'm not going to use anybody's name, but I thought I saw one of the guys that I was with standing in the corner. Uh, try, and I thought it was him maybe trying to freak out another one of the friends that was maybe going to come around the corner. Um, so I get closer and it's, I, I see that it's, it's, he's got his back to me. Like he's, he's like facing the corner and, um, I, uh, I get a little bit more closer and it's, it's clearly not anybody we came with. Uh Oh, Um, it's, it's not. And, um, I'm getting like goosebumps as I tell the story. Uh, and I also just kind of a interlude. I, I don't, and I still don't necessarily believe in ghosts. Um, but I don't know. This was, this was, this is why I never give a definitive answer on anything, whether it be like, like, Oh, are you an atheist? Are you this, that? Because, because honestly, this situation raises so many questions. Um, and, and I, I got closer, like just cause I was like, is there another group here or something like that? And clearly it was a, uh, it was a, like a, a little boy, um, like a little black boy. And um, I got closer and the people that I, I was with all came running behind me. Um, and so I turned around and when I, and when I turned back around, there was nobody in that corner anymore. Womp, womp, womp. There was absolutely nobody in that corner. Um, and I, I don't know, like everybody else was kind of goofing around and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, I said something and they were just like, they thought I was trying to freak them out or something. So they kind of waved me out. But I'll, I'll, that image of, of that, that figure in the corner, I'll, that'll be with me till the end. Um, freaks me out so much just thinking about that. So, but that's not the end of the story. So we, uh, we, we were there for maybe another 10 or so minutes. Um, when they, when they came around behind me, when, when I was looking in the corner, one of the guys had a, a stretcher with them. Like they had found, like it was on creaky wheels and stuff. That was pretty freaky. He, uh, he was like, I'm taking this home. I'm taking this home. We were in like a pickup truck and, uh, <laughs> And he, we put it in the pickup truck, and and he took it home. He literally like got the damn stretcher out, like <laughs> brought it into his house when they were dropping everybody off, and uh, and that what was could it. Go wrong. And that well, that was it, right? And then um, this was like a Friday, I think, and then the, the weekend uh, happens and stuff like that. Um, and then the the, the guy oh, that that took the stretcher home, he uh, was not at school Monday. Uh, he was not at school Tuesday. He was not at school Wednesday. And these these were older kids, <clears throat> so I didn't always see them. I just kind of they were like friends of friends of friends or whatever. And so when I finally saw uh, one of the guys, I was I, I didn't know that he hadn't been at school, and uh, he seemed distressed. He's like, "Hey, have you heard from from such and such?" And I said, "I said no." And he's like, "He's like, man, we're really freaked out. We haven't heard from him since that night, um, like for that whole week." And then. Um, and then the, the next Monday after that, we see him at school, he's back at school and we start, we start talking with him and, uh, that, that night, 
that this that he brought the stretcher in um his his dad had a heart attack and died oh um and his and his mom went into this like basically like horrific like shock and and like didn't didn't speak apparently for for days um and so he was just like he was there at school to like file like i'm i'm leaving for a while and stuff like that um and and, and obviously that and then that was that but you can't tell me man that that shit didn't have something to do and it was just it's just too ironic it's just too coincidental for them to be not related you know what i mean the the stretcher and 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 the the illnesses yeah and for sure it's, man that's that that is terrifying. my like yes it's horrifying um i i i tell that story to everybody i'm surprised i, I didn't tell last year but uh i told that story to Alyssa, and Alyssa's first thing was like is that hospital still up we have to go <laughs> and uh that was when we went and saw that it was it had turned into artist lofts because we had we had we had i think that was the day we had gone to the funeral history museum so we were in like a like a morbid, a morbid. or something like that. Yeah. But uh, no, it is not there. It is a very gentrified, pretty, like nice oh. building with a plaque and like trees and tons of like these are artist lofts and stuff. And I just yeah. want to throw just a quick shout out to uh, to if you're ever in the New Orleans area, don't go to the Death Museum. Or do. Um. <laughs> you want to see someone get their hand cut off? It's all it's all gravy up until you get to the very back. So just keep that in mind. It's it's funny. I had to go to the Death Museum. Uh, I, well, I went to I went to New Orleans for uh, for work uh, almost like a year and a half ago, and I right. almost went, but I could not find anybody to go with myself. So I almost went by myself, and then I just did. I ran out of time. Uh, so wait, what happens at the end of the Death Museum? Uh, so basically, it's real. Like I said, it's real gravy up until you get to the very back. It's got like a lot of um, like serial killer mementos, like handwritten notes that they've had. And it has know. um, what's that lady's name? Eileen. Oh, uh, uh, Vornos or something. Yeah, they have like a pair of her underwear. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, they've got <laughs> hot. <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> They're like big granny panties, so extra. Of fun. course, of course. Have you seen her? Of course they are. <laughs> yeah, so it's got like you know antique mortician apparatuses. I'm on their website right now, but crime and morgue scene photos, artworks and letters from the serial killers, cannibalism, and much more. Uh, the theater at the very back is the theater of death, and it's literally what we saw was uh, like war footage. People getting their hands cut off, and Did you, don't really. Was I the so. only like weird kid who went to Rotten.com? Oh no, no. Like that, that was okay. cool. There, so so <laughs> there was Rotten.com. That was a regular visit for for Jim and the early internet. And it's it's so funny now. Like when I think of of going to that website again, and like looking at some of the things, I'm such a wuss now. Like I could never stomach <laughs> that stuff now. But when you're a kid and you you try to be the edgy, you know, kid, that was like, that was, you know, you had to go to that. Um, but there was a worse one. And I, I, every time I mention it, no one ever knows about it. Uh, and it was ogrish.com. Nope. It's nothing now. It doesn't exist anymore. But it was rotten turned up to 11. Uh, so you can actually access rotten.com through the Internet Archive still. Oh, you can. That's funny. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, that's my that's my weird haunted story. I have another haunted story uh, that I'll tell another time, but it's 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 pretty cool too. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, I think this is high time for another creepy pasta story. There we go. So uh, this one's not quite near and dear to my heart, uh, but I don't know. I I have it's gotten better, but I, I used to have a little bit of anxiety, uh, especially after a car crash last year. Um, it's definitely gotten oh. much better, but from time to time I do get anxious, as my wife will tell you. Uh, I overthink everything. Did you and write this story that you're about to tell? No, I did not write. I promised I didn't okay. write this one. Okay. But uh this is a person that suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder. And I shouldn't have spoiled that because it's literally in the opening lines of the story, but here we go. Hello. I suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder, which is an anxiety disorder in which people have unwanted and repeated thoughts, feelings, ideas, or behaviors. In other words, my life is a systematic pattern. Yesterday, I experienced a flaw in my system. I awoke that morning in my lakeside home promptly at 6.45am, as I do every morning. Before leaving my bedroom, I touched the doorknob three times. I had to. I needed to. On my way downstairs, I made sure not to step on the second to last step. I never touched that step. Just can't. I made my usual breakfast of toast, scrambled eggs, and black coffee. I never eat anything else in the morning. Just always those three. Turning my iPad on, I checked the local news headlines like usual. But today was something was missing. I couldn't place my finger on it. Did I forget something? The strange feeling lingered with me all the way to my car. On my way out the front door, I made certain to lock my door and then unlock it and lock it again. Driving to work, I couldn't help but feel like a part of me was missing. What did I miss? How could I have possibly missed it? I hoped that feeling would go away while working. I didn't. It stayed with me for 12 whole hours. I left the office at around 6.45pm and headed back home. About 25 minutes into my commute, I stopped for the red traffic light at the intersection of Marbury and Westway. But as the light turned from red to green, I couldn't help but feel that strange sensation again. The only other person near me was the man driving behind me. He blared his horn for me to get going. But instead of accelerating, I just unrolled my window and motioned for him to go around me. He did. I dreadfully sat there in my car, still stopped at the intersection. Something is seriously wrong. What am I missing here? I touched everything in the car, hoping that it would spark my memory. I touched the dashboard, the leather seats, the emergency brake, and even the roof. It did nothing for me. My hands began to tremble as I slowly drove away. This isn't right. I don't like this. Arriving home, I pulled my 1974 Mustang into the garage. I washed the car every weekday, but not on the weekends. I only washed the front and the back of the car, never the sides. No matter how dirty they get, I never wash the sides. I just simply can't. But something else seemed missing from my daily routine as I washed. No. Not again. First the news, then the intersection, and now this? Finishing up with the car, I jogged out to the backyard. Opening up the tool shed... I felt yet another thing missing from my pattern. I screamed, This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. I stumbled out the shed and gazed out at the lake. It always seemed to calm me when my anxiety got out of control. 
But tonight, all I wanted to do was sleep. I needed to finish this today. The next morning, I woke up at 6.45 a.m., touched the doorknob three times, and I made sure not to step on the second to last step on my way to the kitchen. I prepared my toast, scrambled eggs, and black coffee. I turned on the iPad, browsed the local news. Still missing. Became aggravated. What is it that I could be missing? Began to feel nauseous. Hurrying out the door in a vicious rage, (laughs) I quickly locked the door, unlocked it, and locked it again. Then I drove off to work. I tend to get a lot of work done when I'm upset, strangely, so at least I felt some accomplishment when I left the office at 6.45pm again. I drove fast on my way home. What am I missing? I approached the red light at Marbury and West Road. Come on, think. A man was walking in the middle of the intersection, on his way to the other side. Why can't I remember? The man's head spun as he noticed my Mustang coming straight at him at 85 miles per hour. I noticed him too. A wave of horror crossed over my face as I watched him dive to one side. I swerved into the same direction. A loud clunk was heard as I crushed the man underneath my vehicle. Oh, God. Jumping out of my car, I hesitated on what to do. He lay there, writhing in agony, making horrendous, horrendous, horrendous guttural wails. I popped open the trunk to my Mustang, lifted the screaming man, and threw him in. In agony, entering my garage, I made sure to wash the blood off the front and rear of the car. The sides were not necessary. After dragging his broken body out to the backyard, I jogged to the shed. Inside were black garbage bags, cinder blocks, and a hacksaw. After dismembering the man, I was able to fit both the remains and a cinder block block into the bag. Dropping him into the lake was all that I had to do left. The following morning, I made sure to wake at 6.45 a.m., and touched my doorknob three times before skipping the second to last step on the way to the kitchen. While eating my toast, scrambled eggs, and black coffee, I browsed the local news by iPad. The top headline, Hit and Run Serial Killer Strikes Again. I smiled. Back to normal. That... (laughs) I was so not ready for that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Especially, Jeff, because I'm reading that, I'm like, oh man, so this... You know, this is going to be like one of those like slow burn, like uh, like the movie, you know, uh, the witch or something like that, because it's it's you know about something Jeff you know is near and dear to his heart, like you said, and then it went that direction. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, yeah, man. They call a they call a hard turn. <laughs> hey, you know that's that's what that's my job tonight. Hard turns. <laughs> what a twist. The M. Not Shyamalan of Creepypasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, Julia, you got any other stories you'd like to tell? Um, yes. I am going to read a news article. That is your favorite news article, Jeff, because I tease you with all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm worried. Alrighty. Um... So this is from The Telegraph from May of 2008. not going to read you the title yet. The woman identified as 58-year-old Tasuko Rikawa was found by police searching the home of the man who believed he lived alone in Yukoa. The resident of the house, who has not been named, became suspicious that he was the victim of repeat burglaries after he noticed food was going missing from his refrigerator. 
The man decided to install security cameras linked to his mobile phone and on Wednesday caught images of the woman walking around the house while he was out. Believing he had detected the burglar, the man contacted the police, and after an exhaustive search of the property, officers found the woman hiding in the top of the built-in cupboard designed to store bedding and the mattress. Behind the sliding door, she had laid out a thin futon and had several plastic drinking bottles, police said. There was enough room for her to lay down, they added. We searched the house, checking everywhere that someone could possibly hide. Said a police spokesman, when we slid open the closet door, there she was, curled up nervously on her side. Horikawa told police that she had nowhere to live and had first taken up residence in the cupboard in a room that the man rarely used, about one year previously when the owner of the house had gone out and not locked the door. Police believe she may have moved between different addresses in the neighborhood during her stowaway year. The woman did not appear to steal any money or other items from the house, but did make use of the shower and toilet. The police describe Horikawa as looking neat and clean. She was charged with trespassing. I like to cheat tease Jeff all the time that there's a Japanese woman in our cabinets. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Especially when we were living in an apartment with each other. Very close quarters. Anytime something was moving around the apartment, she's like, ah, it's that Japanese woman in the ca- cabinets again. <laughs> Have you ever... There was... um. I feel like I... I may have read it on our... No, no, it wouldn't have been on our no sleep. It was I read it somewhere, and it was a, uh, it was at a hotel, like a like a between mid and and high range hotel, and um, this this lady had had been staying there. She had to stay there for a week for work, and then this is a true story, by the way. And uh, she her like makeup kept going missing, and she kept blaming the, the you know the staff and everything like that, and it, it became a big deal, and she was gonna leave early. And, uh, and so she, when she got home one day, I guess at a, at a, she had gotten off work early, I guess, at at the hotel and and walked in and there was this random woman that was, uh, in her room, not a staff member, not anything. Um, and, and the second like that she saw, she like, she ran into the bathroom and, and locked the door, uh, this strange woman. Uh, and the the woman who was staying in the hotel was, you know, furiously trying to get in. And eventually she had to call maintenance and they, they opened up the, the bathroom and this woman was not there, not there whatsoever. Um, so not in, at, at all. And this actually is not a scary story. Well, it's scary, but not in the, like the story that I just told like, uh, but she had been, so she, she's like, you know, she says, I'm not crazy. This is, you know, I know I'm not crazy. So one day, uh, like, like I think like one of her last days that she was supposed to be there, she, she noticed that like there was a, uh, like what scent was smelled like cigarette smoke coming in out of her bathroom. And, uh, she's like, she's like, she didn't smoke. So she's like, I don't know where this is coming from. And none of the rooms around me are smoking rooms. So she, uh, goes to open, like goes to like open the, the, the medicine cabinet uh, and when she did, the whole thing came out and there was a giant hole <laughs> like where like the like the medicine counter just like came out and uh, she looked in and immediately saw all of her makeup and, and on all of this stuff. 
uh, you know, and apparently there had been a woman that living in the walls of this hotel floor for a decade. Uh, and she had, she had made it so that she could get into each room via, uh, the, the medicine cabinets. Cause they would like pop, just pop out. And, um, and so she'd been, and she'd been doing it for 10 years at that point. Um, and yeah, that is fucking horrifying to me. Well, I'm gonna have to check the medicine cabinets in all the hotel rooms. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's like uh, the Golden State Killer. Like he would use houses before he like attacked the couples or whatever, and he would just like move random shit. Oh god. So <laughs> I don't know. So uh, if your shit moves around, you should probably pay attention to that. This is why the cameras are important. Yes, my goodness. Uh, night vision cameras. <laughs> yes. Very, very important. Uh, unfortunately, I have uh, a camera outside that'll alert me when motion is detected. Uh, it's always a little bit of a, what the fuck is this happening? And generally, it's it's a friend called Mr. Wasp. Yeah, I was going to say, it's either it's rolls, some kind of bug. Uh, the fucking camera lens. If you're not a local listening to us, we are we are in Houston, Texas, where it is very humid and bugs are everywhere. And yeah, it's rough. <laughs> rough, man. I feel like that's the best case scenario, seeing something on your camera, though. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you want it to be a wasp. Yeah, at, least, at least at that point, you call the cops and be like, look, uh, this is what happened hopefully you know if something bad was happening they might be able to do something um I get to okay. tell sleep paralysis story <laughs> sorry my wife do you want to tell your sleep paralysis story I'll yield my time you can tell your sleep paralysis story are you sure I've already done my story now nah, bring her on bring her in do what they want you yeah. all right I uh, I, this is my wife. Uh, she's going to tell the next story. I'm going to give her the headphones and uh, have fun. Ouch. Hello. 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 Hi, I'm Alyssa. I'm Jim's wife. I've been on here, I think, before. So, are you guys just telling scary stories, like experiences? Creepy pasta, true crime stories. Uh yeah, this is our Halloween special. So by the time all my favorite things, <laughs> yeah, by the time the uh, the listeners listen to this, it will be Halloween. So perfect. So um, I have sleep paralysis, and Ooh. yeah, um, I haven't had it in a long time. Knock on this fake IKEA wood. Um, when Jim and I moved into our very first apartment, this is in 2013, um, we lived off of Kirkwood, which is a pretty noisy road down here in Houston. And all of a sudden I kept waking up in the middle of the night and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move. Anybody out there has had sleep paralysis. It is probably the worst thing that can happen. I can't really think of anything worse than just not being able to to move and like feeling this impending doom around you, I guess is the best word for it. It's actually, it's pretty terrifying. So, um, I was just like, that's really weird. I of course started doing like research on it online and, you know, it comes from a very scientific point of view, you know, like just your subconscious is being woken up, but your body's not being able to woken up. You're being disrupted essentially in that REM sleep. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll take like 
faith in that science aspect of it. Um, but as Jim said earlier, I've always really liked the paranormal and like creepy stuff it's like a really big juxtaposition between like i think who i am as a person because if you know me i'm very like bright and pink and butterflies and rainbows but i like this really creepy kind of things um so i started kind of digging into that a little bit and it's actually all over the world there's cases of uh, sleep paralysis um and there's like images and there's a really great documentary i can't think of what it's called right now um, about it and it actually explores sleep paralysis throughout the world so as i kept digging into that of course your mind kind of plays games with you and i experienced it a lot more so we ended up going to Galveston um, for a haunted tour, which I totally recommend. It was amazing. I think it was called like Galveston Ghost Tours or something generic like that. The uh, host was great. We had a really good time. I actually like ended up catching a photo. I don't know if it's true or not, like if it's my eyes playing tricks on me, but what I thought was a ghost. So I was pretty creeped out by the time we got home. Well, I had started sleeping with the lights on because I was so terrified <laughs> And bless Jim's poor little soul, um, he was so mad at me for sleeping with the lights on because he couldn't he couldn't sleep. And I was I was crying like I was inconsolable. I was like I can't I can't sleep without the lights on. It's awful. I like switched sides of the bed because like one side of the bed felt like really creepy all of a sudden, <laughs> like just you know craziness. So, anyways, I go home either that night or a night after we had been. Um, on the ghost tour and um, just, you know, my brain's kind of going through the day and I'm already creeped out before I go to bed because at this point I had been having sleep paralysis every single night. So not only was I like highly, highly sleep deprived, um, I was actually afraid to go to sleep. Like I just was like, oh my God, I'll just stay up because, you know, again, sleep paralysis is a horrible, horrifying feeling. And if you can avoid that, then you would. So I go to sleep that night. And um, I wake up in sleep paralysis, can't move, can't really breathe. And I, I always told myself I had gotten so used to it, if I could just move my finger a little bit or if I could just, you know, it kind of like breaks the spell, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, my head was slightly turned looking out towards the hallway, which the light was on because I was afraid. <laughs> I'm getting like chills just thinking about it. Um, so my light, my head is turned and I'm looking directly down this lit hallway. And all of a sudden, this very black, almost liquidy creature is crawling up and around the hallway, uh -oh. around the door frame. And I'm like panicking. Like I'm, you're, you're already not able to breathe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die here because there's this very dark like so black like you can't see through it there's no light absorbing it like it's it's crazy dark black um it crawls down the door flame onto the carpet where i can can no longer see because the uh, pills and blankets are blo blocking it and then it crawls <laughs> it crawls up the bed and over my body and just like sits on my body and i was just thinking in my head like this is it like this is how it goes like this is how i die and um just like this horrible feeling of just dread just absolute dread and i remember closing my eyes and just screaming as loud as i could in my head and um when i when i was able to open my eyes again uh i just kind of like broke 
that like spell I was talking about, but um, we moved out probably a week or two later. Uh, I could not stay. Um, after that moment, I would not be in the house by myself. Um, I would feel like something was watching me all the time. Um, we didn't know much about the apartment. It was like real shady apartment. It was our first apartment. I think we paid like 400 bucks a night or 400 bucks for like a two bedroom. And my uh, car was yes. still in there. So it was a real like, <laughs> it was a real in the rough. Yes. Um, so yeah, we actually ended up leaving because I could not hang. Like I just couldn't do it anymore. And we moved into our next apartment and I probably had sleep paralysis like maybe a handful of times there and I haven't had it in, in quite a long time at this point um, but that was probably one of the scariest paranormal experiences I don't even know if it's paranormal experience because they say in sleep paralysis you can hallucinate pretty quickly and sleep deprivation plus your mind playing tricks on you sometimes I tell myself it was just that to like comfort myself but uh, it definitely did not feel like that it felt like otherworldly it was it was crazy <laughs> Well, they say, like, a lot of people who report, like, alien abductions, but mm-hmm. that's what it is, that it's sleep paralysis. See, okay, that's such a weird thing. So my best friend, she, like, totally believes in aliens, like, 100% on board, and I'm just one of those people who are like, maybe? Not that I don't believe that there's other life out there. I'm just like, are they really that interested in us? Because, like, I'm yeah. barely interested in other people, so... Yeah. a supreme being i don't know if they're they're too interested in us but um yeah sleep paralysis is garbage um we chalked it up eventually to we lived on again a noisy road which was key in that um that i was being woken up by like trucks passing over a really loud bump outside of our apartment um and that was what was waking me up so that's what <laughs> that's what i tell myself <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel better now i'm gonna have sleep paralysis because i'm talking about it <laughs> When but. Jeff and I were first looking for apartments to move in together, mm-hmm. we were looking in, I think, Sugarland area, but like the not Richmond. nice Richmond, but like the not nice area of Richmond. Mm-hmm. And like one of the one of the complexes we were looking at, like when we were Googling it, the first thing that came up was like, there was a murder here. <laughs> we were like, cool. Uh, no thanks. Well, we weren't even, like, I never, this is the first apartment I've seen before we moved in. Jim's chosen all the other apartments. I've either been, like, working or out of town. I had a job for a long period of time where I was out of town, like, God, I think I was only in Houston for, like, eight weeks out of the year. Um, So he's chosen all of them before, and that one was obviously, like, we were broke. Um, It was a killer deal, and we loved it up until, you know... I was being suffocated in my sleep. By the demons. Yeah, by the demons. But, I mean, other than that, (laughs) sleep paralysis. And then um, my brothers, I have two siblings. I'll go on this, like, really quick tangent. I have two, or I have have three siblings. I have um, my two brothers. My youngest brother wasn't alive at this point. But my parents moved into this house um, out in Katy, which was known for when, of course, we learned after we moved in. Um, There was, like, a really terrible child that lived there, like would kill animals, drowned his uh, dog, family dog in the pool, like, just not not A great baby scenario. serial killer. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, and none of us ever really talked about it. We were just like, okay. Um, and, and kind of moved on for that. So I stayed obviously in, um, my bedroom, which had a bathroom suite connected to it. And then when I left her college, my second brother, Micah, um, stayed in that room. And then Nick, our third, you know, our other brother would come into that room and they would hang out and stuff. Well, um, when I was living there, I always had like a really bad vibe about the corner of the room. Like, I don't know why I put a plant in there. Like I always kept the light on on that side. That's a common theme of my life. I'm horrified of the dark. So I try to sleep with the lights on and, um, never really spoke about it to anybody because I just, you know, my mom's always been like, Oh, you're a little dramatic. <laughs> so I never said any, <laughs> I never said anything. I was like, whatever. It's just, you know, combination of being afraid of the dark and, and whatever. Um, until years and years later, we were all speaking one night and my brother Micah goes, oh, you're talking about the creepy corner? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, like that corner creeps me out for the wildest reasons. He's like, I have no idea. He's done the same thing as I have, like just place something in the corner of that room and just avoid it at all costs. And um, Nick also said, he's like, yeah, I can't stay in that room for more than, you know, X amount of time because that corner is really upsetting for some reason. But um, that was also very, very strange, like having the same experience, but not mentioning it to one another. Um, that's that's really it. I don't know. I would love to have more experiences than I actually do. They're all kind of pretty tame. Well, uh, it's kind of a blessing, though. I mean, yeah, I guess I know Jim's really crazy hospital story, but I'm like too chicken to do any of that. Anything like too wild like that. Like I know my, uh, my boundaries, like I don't want to mess with anything that I can't see. So I never did like, um, I'm going to mispronounce it. The Ouija boards or, or anything like that I was like, yeah, that's a definite no. <laughs> I don't know if I believe in it, but I'd also don't want to test it. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Like, I've seen too many paranormal shows where they're like, well, I invited this thing in and now I'm fucked. So, yes, exactly. Um, if y'all are familiar with the show Supernatural, one of my best friends, her sister, like, got her a rug and it had all these symbols in it. And she, like, flipped it over. And I literally jetted. I was like, I'm not. I hadn't because I haven't seen the show. So I, like, jetted. I was like, I'm not into this. This is not something I'm about. Um, and so every time they see me in this, like doormat now they drag me for it like remember when you thought you were gonna summon the devil i was like yeah (laughs) not not into it i was gone like the second i saw symbols i was like i have no idea what's going on but i'm not a part of it yeah i think of that show there's especially if it's on the floor it is summoning uh a demon usually or is, is it crossroads crossroads demon if it's at the crossroads not necessarily. A lot of times in the show, it's like to trap a demon, yeah. not to summon them. So, yeah, yeah, still hard pass. Hard. <laughs> but I'm also, I know. you know, I love scary movies. I think Jim already mentioned that. I love to go to haunted houses, and I cry every single time. But I love it <laughs> every single time, like sobbing. I will just like if I'm not with Jim, I'll attach myself to someone and just hold their hand and sob the whole time. <laughs> um, but then I'm, you know, I'm like, let's do it again. So. I I waver on this really weird line of like it really loving it and enjoying it and being absolutely terrified. Well, uh, thank you for your story. No problem, Jim. You ready? Ganaki. See you later, Alyssa.
How'd she do? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I have one last thing to tidy this all up, and then we'll be uh, ending for the night. Unless you all have something really pressing to talk about. No? Uh, well, I mean, I, I have... I have... Ready. I have a creepypasta and I have a uh, uh, spaghetti warehouse history of, of the haunted Houston restaurant. But if we're going too long, we can definitely end it. Uh, well, we've been going for about an hour. That's probably enough. We we I, we can do that another time. Yeah, we might we might keep it for next year. Yeah. Sorry, the the breaks in between. Well, let me rephrase that. This this uh this show is designed to be once a year. Now, if the demand for it is high enough, we might do it something like once a month, where we might we get together and do stuff like this. Because yeah. I think I think among the three of us, uh, I know Julia really enjoys this kind of stuff a lot, and I know Jim does too. So we may or may not turn it into a monthly thing, but for right now, it's uh it's once a year. So it's really the demand of the audience. Uh, you have to let us know what you think. That being said, let's talk about the woman who murdered 300 babies. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, At one time, or? No, no, not at one time. (laughs) Uh, Amelia Dyer. uh, And, of course, I'm going to get called a T-U-Boo by my wife, because this is all all over 19th century Britain. Uh, Basically, she was caught uh, in the... 1896 for for two for two murders just two infant murders okay and basically uh she three weeks before that she was convicted at the old bailey the murder of two babies they had been strangled with white tape wrapped in parcel paper and dumped in a carpet bag in the river thames at reading um which you know two baby deaths is horrible enough Here's the thing. Then they got to her house. Her home was crammed with evidence of a hefty trade in infant life. Uh, you know, she basically had dozens of vaccination papers, vast quantities of tiny clothes, and countless pawn tickets for baby clothes. Back in those days, um, there was a lot of babies. And they were trying to basically find a home for them as much as possible. There was just a huge influx of births. So she originally started uh, a lovely little thing where in the 1860s, she would charge a fee to basically take babies off their women who could no longer have their pregnancies hands, essentially. So, Basically, for a weekly fee, she would foster them. She would maximize her profits by slowly starving her little charges, meeting them with daily doses of the liquid opiate. Colloquially, no, I can't say that word, as the quietness, because it both stifled a baby's appetite and its cries. Um, basically, ten years later, she completed a sentence, six-month prison sentence for infant neglect. She changed her modus operandi. No longer would she house infants she would uh for small weekly fees she would only accept full adoption in exchange for a lucrative one-off payment basically she was just trying to increase cash flow and convenience i guess so at that point 
why draw it out when you can just why draw it out one and done it so as soon as the uh the the papers were signed and she got payment she would silence the infants within hours using a length of white tape tied twice around their necks and dump their bodies in rivers or bury them in the gardens of her rented lodgings Damn. Uh, basically, oh, the true scale of Dyer's crime is it's beyond calculation. Uh, when she was most active, basically, they saw about six babies a day coming into her house. The police found evidence of at least 20 children who had been entrusted to her care in the two months before her arrest. A conservative estimate of 10 infant deaths a year creates a staggering 300 murders over a 30-year period. It took them that long to figure out that this was her. Uh, but this is pretty gruesome. Uh, she basically was, uh, she was also operating under so, several aliases, including Harding and Smith. The most gruesome evidence that they found inside her home was the heavy stench of rotting flesh coming from the kitchen pantry and a trunk underneath her bed. She basically had a baby farm. Uh, and when the body count rose to 50, when she, she was last arrested, she said, you'll know all mine, all of my murders by the tape around their necks. Oof. Damn. And, w- and where is this? So this was basically in reading uh, Britain. So... Reading Britain is... Uh, I might be even saying that long. Uh, it's basically a large town on the Thames and Kennet Rivers in southern England. Okay. So it's 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 not close to London. Uh, so it's, it, it's, it's kind of to the west of London, actually. So this is a smaller town by comparison that you wouldn't really think of stuff like this happening so she was able to go away with this a little bit easier um okay real quick i feel like that sentence is said a lot like oh yeah it was in a small town where you don't that that now is where i always expect this shit to happen well i mean think about it you know if you're in a modern society uh or rather a large populated area you do have, you know, a large population kind of masking your your movements to a certain extent, but I feel like you're also tracked a lot more. Um, yeah. Especially nowadays, like, you can be tracked by anything. Your cell phone records, uh, you swipe your card at a gas station, that's, you have a paper trail no matter where you go. Yeah. Um, but basically, the, the other part about this, why this wasn't such a big deal, uh, Basically, back then, the bodies of dead infants littered the streets of British cities, and reports of their discovery were too commonplace to be considered newsworthy. So, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, in addition to that, you know, forced out of employment and barred from the workhouse, a single mother could either prostitute herself, starve, or else make an angel of her baby. Baby farmers offered a last hope for a desperate minority, but in reality, few women were truly blind to the reality of their offspring's fate once they found out. So they were having lots of babies to get lots of money and all this other jazz. Uh, It's pretty bad. 
As far as we know, that she's the only baby farmer that killed of her babies to get money. That's yeah, that's pretty creepy. Amelia Dyer, and uh, that's all she wrote. Oof. Yeah. So. That being said, uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Spooky Scary Skeletons Volume 2. Uh, again, happy Halloween from all of us here at Ranty Media. I forgot to start at the very beginning of this episode, but today's October 31st. In two days, on November 2nd, 2019, we're going to do an extra life. This is this is the positive spin of the whole thing. <laughs> I'm trying to trying forget to ramp about up the baby the po- murders. Yeah, forget about the creepy uh, the creepy things, creepy murders. We're trying to do a positive spin. Uh, 25 hours, November second. We're gonna be doing um 25 hours of gaming. Uh, it's gonna be great entertainment for you all. We're gonna be playing a wide variety of games. Um, during that time, we're asking for sponsorships from you our loyal viewers and listeners because you're the the best that are out there. Uh if you donate to us at rantymedia.com slash extra life, all of your proceeds go to children in need. Uh it goes to the Children's Miracle Hospital Network. Um again one hundred percent of the donations goes directly to them. We don't keep any of it. We're just playing twenty five hours worth of games to uh you know basically help spread the word and give you some entertainment in uh you know, and you're hearing that right. Twenty five yeah. hours. Twenty five hours. Not twenty four uh, hours. Twenty five. You get to hours. see our misery, and you know your donation helps things go a long way. Rantomedia.com slash extra life. Uh, I won't say most importantly, but all donations are, of course, uh, a charitable donation, so they are tax deductible. We get to entertain you. The kids get help. It's a win win situation for everybody. Uh, but thank you again so much for listening tonight uh, to Spooky Scary Skeletons. Hopefully you're not too spooked out. Have a great Halloween, and uh, thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.